Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, April 26th. Coming up, many of Kansas City's homicides have never been solved, and that leaves victims' families to live with a death and a mystery. It's not a day. It's not several moments in that day I'm not thinking about what happened to my son for somebody to stand up and shoot him multiple times in broad daylight on Friday the 13th, 2015. KCUR investigates the Kansas City Police Department's homicide clearance rate. Plus, why is Missouri so far behind in processing Medicaid applications? But first, some headlines. A Kansas judge has struck down a newly drawn congressional redistricting map for violating the rights of black and Democratic voters. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service reports. The ruling comes after a four-day trial in Wyandotte County. Civil rights groups argued the Republican-controlled Kansas legislature crafted the plan to dilute the votes in Lawrence and Wyandotte County. But attorneys defending the map said there is no standard in state law for gerrymandering, so there is no way to prove it occurred. The judge ruled the state constitution protects Kansans from gerrymandering and ordered the legislature to draw a new redistricting plan. The state is expected to appeal the ruling to the Kansas Supreme Court. Current and former residents of a mobile home park that's being cleared for a new Jackson County jail appeared at yesterday's county legislature meeting to demand more help from officials. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The residents of Hart Mobile Village were told by the county last summer that they would have to relocate by the end of February to make way for a new detention center. The county approved spending about $2.5 million to help residents relocate. But residents like Urban Schaefer appeared at the legislative meeting to say the county hasn't lived up to its promises. They promised me no out-of-pocket expenses for my moving. I've got over $2,000 out-of-pocket expenses. Schaefer says his two sons now face eviction from the mobile home park, although he himself moved in January. The county said 75 residents had relocated as of February. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Slisa Kalakal. A year ago, our colleague Aviva Okasin Haberman died after she was shot in what appeared to be a random crime. KCUR reporters have been investigating the murder of the 24-year-old reporter, which remains unsolved. But in the last year, KCUR's Peggy Lowe learned about another reality for many in Kansas City who have lost family and friends to homicide. Haji Williams walks along the sidewalk and steps onto the grass of Seven Oaks Park. He approaches a circle cut into the lawn, cement blocks set around a three-foot cross. He's been working on a version of this for more than seven years. Uh, I had a little makeshift, you know, a uh, little real inexpensive one. I want to say from Hobby Lobby or somewhere, you know, and um, after I just kept building on it. This is like the third one I've done. On March 13th, 2015, William's son, Asan, just 18 years old, 
was shot and killed at this spot in this park at 37th and Kensington on Kansas City's east side. After the first makeshift marker, Williams planted a wooden cross on the spot with a photo of his son. But the cross got broken and the photo faded. So then I went with this one, which is steel. So this should last a while. You know, just trying to keep his memory, you know, alive. A son Williams murder has never been solved. It's one of the dozens that get added every year to the list of homicides in Kansas City that are not cleared, meaning that an investigation doesn't result in an arrest or criminal charges. In fact, only about half of the homicides that occur each year are cleared by the Kansas City Police Department. That roughly matches the national average. But if you get so caught up in the clearance rate, which we do every year, it's this number. Everybody keeps talking about a number, and they're not talking about people. That's Captain Everett Babcock, head of KCPD's homicide unit, who says publishing the clearance rate keeps police accountable, but it's more important to remember the victims. Damon Daniels, president of the ad hoc group Against Crime, works with victims' families. He says they often suffer even more grief because they believe there's enough evidence or witnesses to press charges. It's important for detectives to have that information but it's not enough for them to go and make an arrest. If they don't have the name, if they don't have a witness, it's very, it's very little that they can do. And so trying to explain that to families that are hearing you know, accounts of what happened causes a lot of frustration. Frustration doesn't begin to describe what Haji Williams has been going through for the last seven years. This don't go away. It's not a day. It's not several moments in that day I'm not thinking about what happened to my son for somebody to stand up and shoot him multiple times in broad daylight on Friday the 13th, 2015. About two miles from the park where a son Williams was killed is the apartment building where Aviva Okuson Haberman lived. A bullet hole was found in her bedroom window, and it's believed that she was shot while reading in bed late on the night of April 22nd. Her murder has not been cleared, and KCPD's Babcock says detectives are still looking into her case. I mean, they've got some investigative avenues, but not enough to say this is the right one. You know, they've got some that they're following that look promising, but that could all change tomorrow. One of Ocas and Haberman's neighbors, a woman named Sadie, met with KCUR soon after the shooting last year. We're identifying her only by her first name because she's been a victim of domestic violence. Sadie believes that whoever shot Aviva may have mistaken her first floor apartment for her own and that it was part of an abusive ex-boyfriend's harassment. Sadie says she wanted to help with Ocas and Haberman's case, even with the fear that she could face retaliation. Um, I wanted to do this because I feel like Aviva didn't deserve what happened to her. I am next door to her. This was all because of an incident occurring about people I knew. The only person they had intention on hitting was me. So I feel like I'm really responsible for helping her receive the justice that she needs because she does deserve that. In fear for her life, Sadie moved out of state last year. In an email last week, she worried again about Aviva's family and said, it's hard to believe that justice has not yet been served. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Peggy Lowe.
Missourians applying for Medicaid are waiting months longer than the federal government says they should to hear back on their applications. The extended wait times stand out, especially compared to Oklahoma, which also approved Medicaid expansion in the summer of 2020. KBIA's Sebastian Martinez-Valdivia reports. When Missouri voted to expand Medicaid eligibility, many in Sarah Lynn Irwin's community didn't know what the change meant. There wasn't a real push by any organization to really get the information out there what a Medicaid expansion was. Expansion opened the public health insurance program to most Missourians making 138% of the federal poverty level or less, around $18,800 a year. That includes many of Irwin's clients. She's a certified application counselor at the Northeast Missouri Health Council in Kirksville, and her job is to help people access social services, including Medicaid. Lately, her clients have been asking questions about the wait times. As of February, it was taking the State Department of Social Services 119 days on average to process applications. Irwin says that average has dropped to 81 days in recent weeks, which is still nearly double the federal requirement of 45 days. Sometimes it can be pretty life-altering. For instance, some of them needed surgeries and had to put those off so their conditions worsened. When clients ask her when why it's taking so long, the best she can do is pull up their application on the state's database and see if anything is missing or if the state has looked at it. The Department of Social Services says staffing shortages have contributed to the delays. Timothy McBride studies health policy at Washington University in St. Louis and served as chair of the Oversight Committee for Missouri's Medicaid programs from 2012 to 2019. McBride says while the pandemic has exacerbated the department's staffing difficulties, it's not exactly a new problem. We've historically paid our state employees about the lowest in the country. And, you know, it just hasn't grown very much. And and that problem is just going to perpetuate itself. However, over the past week, the department says it found many cases where clients were receiving a different kind of Medicaid, say for pregnant women, but qualified for the expansion group instead. That could help clear the backlog in applications, which sat at more than 70,000 in February. McBride says that change is overdue. Frankly, I think that could have been done a long time ago, closer to October. And I'm not exactly sure what took so long. While the state hasn't said how many people were in that situation, enrollment in Medicaid expansion jumped more than 45,000 between the first and second weeks of April. That's the biggest increase since expansion started. It brings total enrollment in Missouri's Medicaid expansion to 146,000 people. While that may seem like a lot, it's little more than half of the 275,000 people estimated to be eligible. The numbers stand in stark relief with those in neighboring red state Oklahoma. It, like Missouri, approved Medicaid expansion in the summer of 2020. Oklahoma has enrolled nearly 270,000 people in its expansion group, well over the 190,000 estimated to be eligible. Emma Morris is with the Oklahoma Policy Institute, which supported Medicaid expansion in the state. Our Medicaid agency, the Health Care Authority, really was committed to making sure that everyone who's eligible is able to enroll in Medicaid expansion. While Missouri's legislature spent the months leading up to Medicaid expansion resisting the voter-approved change, Oklahoma's legislature fully funded expansion. Morris says that let the health department start collecting information to pre-enroll Oklahomans in the program. Instead of waiting months for a decision on applications, Oklahomans get an answer the same day they apply. Which I think is also 
something that has made this so successful is people don't have to wait. They fill out the application and they know if they're eligible or not, and then they can go see the doctor. But for tens of thousands of Missourians with pending Medicaid applications, the wait to go see a doctor will be much longer. I'm Sebastian Martinez Valdivia, KBIA News, Colombia. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Peggy's story on unsolved homicides, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. As always, you can find us live on the radio at 89.3 FM. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at the uncertain future of the Country Club Plaza. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.